Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. It is Monday, January 21st. Happy Martin Luther King Day out there, everybody. Um, We need his passion and his uh, ability to speak so well about what we need to do in this country for race and equality and so many things that... uh, we need to hear that. Just uh, just if you happen to see the news over the weekend of our uh, Native American Indian and uh, um, high school kid from a Catholic school in Kentucky, their little face-off they had. Um, it's uh, it's a tough time out there, and we need to think of days like this and what we can do to either better the conversation through our oratory, or by our actions and deeds. So thanks for tuning in today. Uh, I'm coming at you almost live here from beautiful Northeast Ohio. I say almost. This is actually live right this very second. But the interview just might not have been. We'll uh, let that play out as it does here. I am actually in the parking lot of a bakery because, as I hope you all know, my mother's 80th birthday is three short days away. This Thursday, January 24th, is my mother Linda's 80th birthday. So I have not one, but two surprise birthday parties planned that I've been throwing together for the last month. And of course, everything has to be done the last couple of minutes to get things happening. So yeah, Thursday, she is going to uh, go to lunch with uh, have a surprise lunch with all of her bridge ladies and neighbors from around the neighborhood. Um, most everyone's going to be 70 to 90 there, and it's snowy out, so let's hope no one breaks a hip. Knock on wood here. Um, but, yeah, during the day she's going to have a surprise party with all the friends from the bridge club and neighbors, and then when she gets back Friday, then I'm having a couple of the friends take her out after that. Then when she gets back home Thursday evening will be surprise party number two at our house where I have all of the cousins and relatives coming over and I'm cooking dinner for everybody. So while she's out at her birthday party today, I'll be home cooking and getting ready for the relatives to come over Thursday night and have a little soiree from uh, 5 to 8 o'clock that night. So, yeah, it's exciting. I got lots of goodies. I've been out all day getting stuff for the tables and gift bags for all of her friends that are coming over, putting a little something together. Because in her bridge club, I think there's three ladies that have January birthdays. So I want to make sure everyone feels included, even though mom's the only one at 80. Um, but they do have a 92-year-old in the group. And I think one or one left in the 70s, and the rest are all older than mom, 80 and above. But bless their hearts, they play uh, bridge twice a month. So, yeah, if you haven't followed my social media, and please do, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Left of Straight, L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. On the Facebook page, it's uh, the Left of Straight Show is our page. You can always follow me personally at Scott Fullerton on Facebook. But I posted the last uh, six days here. I'm trying to get hashtag 80 cards for 80 years. My mom would love her to get 80 birth cards 80 birthday cards sent from all over the country and maybe the world. You never know. We have uh, uh, 10% of our listeners outside the U.S. 
And so I've directed everyone, if they can, to please send my mom a birthday card for her 80th birthday. Tomorrow will be the last day to send it for it to get here, hopefully on time. I thought today would be, I forgot about the Martin Luther King holiday. So if you send it tomorrow, it might get here Friday, but depending on where you live in the country, it could still get here Thursday. Um, but if you would like to do that, I appreciate it. If not, look for the posts on social media. You'll see pictures of mom, and if you'll share it on your social media, maybe they can, someone else will send it out. But you can find the address on my website for our Left of Straight address where all the cards going, www.leftofstraight.com. That's L-E-F-T-O-F-S-E-R and the number eight, .com. If you go to the contact page on there, it's, it'll be the address to send those birthday cards to mom. So, <coughs> excuse me. I appreciate if you would help that out. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to get to my interview with Michael Mott, one of my favorite interviews from New York City and Broadway. Michael is a performer, a composer, a lyricist. He has a brand new musical. We're being workshopped in London this week and doing a performance. Both have to be on mom's birthday, so I said he's doing it for my mom. But he'll be in London um, performing his new play. It's called Mob Wife, a mafia musical. And uh, then he's going to perform some of his original songs as well on Thursday. So it's a great interview. He has worked with a who's who of Broadway. Some of my all-time favorites, of course, Jeremy Jordan from Smash and from Newsies, uh, Laura Osnes from so many things on Broadway, um, Andy Mientis, uh, Jay Armstrong, uh, Johnson, so many great people he has worked with. So it's a great interview. I hope you'll listen in just a couple of minutes for him. Tomorrow we have another great show for you. We have from the No Hate Project, founders Jeff Parshley and Adam Buska, and along with a local photography who's bringing No Hate to my little burg of Youngstown, Ohio, here this coming weekend. And then on afterwards I have on Ricky Rebel in the second hour, Ricky is a fantastic singer and performer. So great show again tomorrow. A couple things I'll tell you before we'll uh, let the tape play here. Uh, if you're out and about um, in L.A., please, 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 tomorrow, there are just a few tickets left to our good buddy Blake MacGyver's concert at Rockwell Stage L.A. Uh, it's Blake Sings Barbara. Blake sings the Barbara, con the Barbara Streisand concert in his own indimitable way with his great humor and storytelling. That is tomorrow night at Rockwell. There's a few, uh, few tables left, or a few um, places left, not any full tables, I don't think. But if you go to rockwellla.com, you can find tickets. And, of course, this coming Sunday is Rent live on Broadway with our good buddy Emerson Collins uh, playing two parts in the production. I talked to both Blake and Emerson last Tuesday about it. If you missed that episode, if you missed Monday's episode, where I had our good friends Suzanne and Diane DeWitt Hall, who is a author and promoter super duo. And I had... Casey Lansdale, an author and country singer, is a great friend of the show. And for the first time on, we had Brandon Stansell, an amazing country artist who is just breaking boundaries all over the place as an out and proud performer. So check that out. Go to Spotify. Go to iTunes. Go to uh, Google Podcasts. All your favorite podcast sites. Look left of straight show, and you will find it. But let's get ready for a great interview with Michael Mott. We're going to start off with a song, original song that Michael wrote for another musical that he's creating called In the Light. This is sung by um, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Jordan, who's like one of my all-time favorite actor-singers, of course, from Smash, of course, from uh, Supergirl on the CW and so many other things. Happened to be one of Michael's best friends. So here's Jeremy Jordan with her embrace. And then we have a fantastic interview with Michael Mott. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. And I will see you tomorrow. Listen to the interview. You'll have some fun.
Jordan singing from In the Light, my next guest fantastic musical. I'm always excited to have Michael Mott back on the show. He's an accomplished musician and performer, and he's about to embark on a trip to London to not only perform, but to bring Mob Wife, a mafia comedy, a show that he collaborated with writer Corey Skaggs on to the Cockpit Theater January 24th through 26th. Michael, of course, was named Playbill's contemporary musical theater songwriters you should know and has worked with a who's who of Broadway, including powerhouses like Jeremy Jordan and the fantastic Laura Osnes. Please welcome back to the show, my buddy, Mr. Michael. Michael, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for calling in. I'm still a little tongue-tied. We've got to give our listeners a little peek behind this. This is airing Monday, and Michael is right now on a flight to London to prepare for the big premiere and show. So we're recording this in the early morning. You've already lost your voice once this week, and I'm tongue-tied. I know. The show must go on, my friend. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. No, thank you for rescheduling. I, I, the other the other day, I had absolutely no voice whatsoever, so it's still it's still not one hundred percent, but it'll get there. Well, it we need to rest it up because not only do you have the show premiere, but you're actually doing a concert while you're there. It happened the same day as my mother's birthday, so I told her you're singing just for oh, her. Oh wow! We're gonna have to get a boot. I am pop. exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's her yes, 80th I birthday. Am. If I could get her to London, I would. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy early birthday. There you go. Well, let's remind everyone a little bit about you. You're a New York boy. Your parents own a deli. Talk about growing up and what kind of a kid were you. Remind everyone what got you interested in performing and then more specifically writing writing music. What kind of a kid? I was a fat kid. Um, I was um, constantly <laughs> eating everything in that bakery. Yeah. Um, I ate everything in their bakery. I used to ring people up on the cash register, I, uh, but I was too short to reach it, so I stood on a bucket. And, um, yeah, I remember one a dollar twenty-five for an Italian loaf of bread. I still remember that, yeah. So. <laughs> Yummy. Um, there you go. Yeah, so I, I, grew up, I grew up there doing that, and then, you know, my dad, I, I, he enrolled me in every sport imaginable, and nothing stuck clearly. And then here we were, I, I, you know, discovered, um, 
the high school musical. My sophomore year, I got into The Sound of Music, and then they were like, oh, oh, that's what he's doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then it kind of took off from there. I went to college for musical theater performance, and I was a professional actor for about seven years. I did national tours, off-Broadway, regional, you name it. And, yeah, and then I just made the transition to composing back in 2012. I got into the BMI Layman Angle Musical Theater Writers Workshop, which is a two-year program that it's a pretty intense audition process, but they accept maybe 30 people a year. So I was accepted into that as a composer, wow. and then it's a two-year program. And then once I graduated from that, um, they have an, ex an advanced program, and you're either invited or not invited into the advanced program. And luckily I was invited, and so I've, I've been in that for a while. And while the two years of BMI, once that culminated, um, at the same time I had met my mentor, and um, he introduced me to Broadway Records, and I put out my first album, Where the Sky Ends, that came out in 2014. So it all kind of culminated, and I was like, oh, this is all, this all felt like this is what's meant to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. So it all kind of just worked out that way. And here we are. Fantastic. Let's, let's go into some of your early work because you have two amazing albums out. You just talked about Where the Sky Ends. I mean, people like Sierra Bogus from Phantom and Little Mermaid, Ben Frankhauser from mm -hmm. Newsies, Zachary Levi from Chuck and Tangled. Josh Young, who is my husband and doesn't know it since he's married to that lovely wife uh, of his from Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar. I mean, talk about that first album. You got some some powerhouses there. Yeah, and I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anybody. I did everything myself for that album. And um, I actually used Jeremy Jordan's name as leverage for everyone. I was like, well, Jeremy's doing it. Will you do it? And then I got Laura. <laughs> and then Jer Jeremy Jordan and Laura Osnes are doing it. Will you do it? I got Sierra. And then Jeremy, Laura, and Sierra are doing it. And then, like, to everyone else, they were like, oh, my God, okay. So it was easy. The hardest one at the time to get was Zach Levi. And it took about, I think, maybe seven months of me emailing his representative. He had, like, seven people. I had, uh, six or seven people I had to go through. But it was great. And he was awesome. And we had a great – I mean, I hope he had a good experience. I think he did. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> it was it – was, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And my mentor – um, his name's Kim Scharenberg. He's a huge orchestrator and like legendary guy who's done everything you can imagine. Has an Emmy, blah blah blah. And he um, did the orchestration on that album, and uh, we co-produced it together. He was originally going to produce it, but I'm opinionated. And in the studio, I was like, No, 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 I don't like that. Let's do this. I was like, Can you sing it like this? Can you try that? He goes, You know that you're. He goes, You know you're producing, right? And I was like, Oh, I am. He's like, Yeah. He's like, You need to be a co-producer on this because you know exactly what you want. So just, just be a co-producer. I was like, great. So now, you know, I co-produce everything I do or produce it myself, basically. But I just think it's good to always have someone else with you to keep you in check because, you know, you can go crazy and take too much right. control. So, yeah, that's the first album. That's fantastic. Um, I love the still, first album. And I'm still Overview of Jeremy. Everyone knows that I love Jeremy from Newsies and Supergirl. I talk about him on the show all the time, but you have uh, a long-time friendship with him. Talk about that. Um, yeah, we went to college together. We're roommates all through college. And then our, we were both performance majors. So we went to, we our, our first job together was actually at Bush Gardens, Williamsburg. And we lived together there for the summer. And then we graduated college and moved to New York together. And we lived in New York for two years. And actually, he's the one driving me to the airport to go to London. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. A relationship. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, I don't want to pay for a car. Can you drive me? <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. It's got to be nice to have him back in New York, too. I'm excited to see him coming back. He's got some stuff he's working on, so that's kind of got to be exciting. You guys going to collaborate again in the near future? Are we going to get in the light still working to get that off? Oh, that's a sensitive subject because we were supposed to do an industry presentation um, like two days ago. And we had to cancel. Oh. We had to postpone it because of the uh, union, the union strike. Um, there's a whole thing with, and it's good. It's a good thing. It should be happening. But there's a, um, the union. If you look at, look it up, there's a, the unions doing this thing. Um, basically, with, with it's called lab rats, where the actors are being asked to do things in developmental stages of productions where. The productions go on to make a lot of money, but the actors 
um, their contributions to that production that are used forever and ever in perpetuity for the show, uh, they don't get compensated for that. And so there's this whole thing going on. And we didn't want to put up our, our presentation um, in the middle of that. So we kind of backed off and we're waiting until that is all settled and we can reschedule. <laughs> but and in, and in, oh, Good for you. That's I, important, though. That's important for the actors. It is. It is I very important. Great. And, yeah, it is. It is very important. Um, fortunately, no, no one on our side had any kind of scandal or anything involved with it at all. There's a whole do not work list, and none of us are on it, thankfully. Um, but we had some pretty major A-list people involved, and we didn't want to put their reputation on the line, so we pulled it. And um, Yes, but yes, to answer your question, that's a long answer, but In the Light is still happening. And uh, we, Yay. I, we, have, we have been working so hard on it. And honestly, I used to always think, like, you know, two years ago, why isn't this show happening? What's happening? Why, why is this not, you know, why is this so difficult to get the show off the ground? And then now that we see what it is, and my collaborator on it, Nathan Wright, is one of the most genius human beings I've ever worked with. Um, he and I have worked so hard to get the show into a place, and now that we see what it is, it really is its own breathing thing. It's, it's, it's just insane to take a step back and see, like, look at this monster beast of a thing. And it's crazy to see what it is. It, timing, everything happens for a reason, I truly believe. And the show is now in a place where we're like, okay, this can be seen by the public. This is ready. We'll see what happens with it. Even if it doesn't uh, happen or comes to Broadway. I think has time. And I think it's been, it's been um, I know it's been a long time for you, but it's just amazing work. And I think you're right. I think everything has a reason. And so when it's time to come, it's going to be bigger than you ever thought possible, my friend. So. Very good. Well, we'll see. Fingers crossed. I may be 85 with a walker going up to the theater when it opens, but we'll see. <laughs> well, let's talk for a second about your follow-up album, too. That's when uh, we had uh, you on, I think, last was for Abandoned Heart. Has, of course, Jenna Ushkowitz from Glee has been on my show a couple times. Andy Mannis uh-huh. from Smash and The Flash. Brian Justin Crum from America's Got Talent. And, of course, Jay Armstrong Johnson. He's coming on the show next month. That was an, another amazing follow-up. You're just uh, on fire. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I, I'm very proud of that album. I feel like between the two, that uh, Abandoned Heart is very cohesive, and it feels like one world, and it's, it's 1,000% my vision from top to bottom, um, whereas Where the Sky Ends was more of like a sampling platter of like, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. You know, it was me like trying to prove myself. Um, right. But... That being said, Where the Sky Ends is the more theatrical album, symphonic and theater, and Abandoned Heart is very contemporary pop, which in today's world, it's already outdated because it's, it's you know, <laughs> it, it, it came out in 2017. <laughs> and, um, I mean, I say that facetiously, but, but truly, like, some of the sounds that we use to make it very contemporary are not, quote-unquote, hot right now, you know? So right. in that world, in the pop world, you know, you really do have to be cutting edge and you have to be six months ahead of the curve and so you release it today and it's already updated uh, it seems so right that's a whole other thing but that album came about because um i was writing i can't go into the whole thing but i will say that i was writing songs for artists on uh some major artists on a, a big label and for one reason or another those songs didn't happen and so i had this whole plethora of songs sitting on my hard drive and i thought well, if so-and-so was going to do this and it, was, it didn't happen, what do I do? So I ended up pairing who I saw in the theater community that I knew have a more pop, have more, uh, pop styling and pop voice and pop sound and tailoring the song to their specific voice and changing lyrics and rewriting and, and making it still a pop song but with a musical theater influence, which is my audience. And I don't know. I mean... I, I'm I'm proud of that album, but I, I don't I don't know how people I don't know how people feel about the whole thing cohesively. Um, I will say Jeremy loves it. Jeremy thinks it's he's like that. This is a million times better than where the sky ends. I'm like, thanks. They're totally different, but thank you. <laughs> so anyway, that's I that's have them both on my playlist, and uh, I play them quite often. So I love love them both. Take uh, my word thank for it, you. My yeah, they're they're two completely different moods, you know. Right. Exactly. If, if where the sky ends is I drive a lot, and it's kind of, I love doing, 
different same things like you said mood music everyone has different mood music when they drive i drive to columbus which is like two and a half hours so i feel some way going down another way going up and i i like having a great uh repertoire to choose from and yours is always included in there sometimes ah thank you that's very nice well we're going to jump into mob wife and this london concert in a second but you've had an amazing year last year let's go over a couple of things here you did Four fantastic Michael Mott and Friends concerts, one of them, so I'm so upset. Uh, talk about those experiences down at 54 Below and around. Uh, how are those produced? Those have got to be kind of fun, but I bet they're hard work. Yeah, we did. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate, actually. Um, we did uh, We did a showcase at 54 Below in January. We did a. Um, it was supposed to be a private concert in February here in New York with um, – I think that one was Alexa Green and Andy Mientes. And uh, then we ended up, it it was a school, a theater school from Pennsylvania that came up and asked me to do this concert for their kids. And we actually ended up tailoring it specifically to the kids, talking about, you know, Andy did a couple songs from Smash and talked about his career. Alexa was Glinda in Wicked, so she talked about how she booked that job out of college and, like, we tried to make it very ex- – and I talked about how, like, I thought I was going to be on Broadway, but, like, it didn't happen, so I ate bread at my parents' bakery, and now I'm writing songs for these people. <laughs> and we we ended up um, tailoring it to the kids and tried to make it very inspirational and educational, too, and talking about, you know, on-camera versus um, uh, stage and voiceover work, and, and we did it all through song and stories. So the kids seemed to like it, and we ended up having an extra, like, 25 seats, so we – opened it to the public and it was really nice because I have some amazing people that come and support everything I do and they ended up coming to that concert and actually those same people are flying to London to see Mob Wife and my concert out there um, oh, so it's cool. just amazing and I have yeah, I have some incredible people who are very dedicated and I appreciate them so much um, I'm trying to think I don't remember the other two that I did in, oh 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 I did um, a benefit for the Actors Fund which is an incredible organization. Everyone should check that out. Um, that, that's a whole other story. But we did that in June in New York, and then we did another concert at 54 Below in September, which was a smattering of some brand-new music um, and some obscure songs, and I featured some songs from Mob Wife, which I believe you're going to play something from that specific concert with Solea Pfeiffer. Um, we are. It's she's, really exciting. Yes, it's she is unreal. Yeah, we've been. I, I've been talking to her about some other stuff, and she's she's uh, such a talent. She's so good. Hey. And yeah. you also put out so quite was, a few remix singles with some incredible artists this year. Um, great music videos produced from that. That had to be kind of fun. Talk about those a bit. Oh yeah! Wow, you remember? I I, I forgot about all half this stuff that. I'm like moving on to the next thing, and I'm like, it's nice to like sit here and think I'm about. I'm a stalker. What can I say? I, I'm a stalker. And uh-huh. I can't live in New York. I live vicariously through you, Michael. That's all there is to oh, it. Oh, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad you like it. I'm glad you appreciate it. Sometimes, you know, it's so nice to hear this because you know, sometimes you do these things. I love music. I, the love of music and my passion for music is what drives me. And so, you know, I do these things because I would, you know, listen to a pop album or a theater album or a symphonic album, and then go to the gym and want to hear something like that reinterpreted. So I put out all these remixes and um, yeah, it's just nice to hear people appreciate them or acknowledge them, whether, well, however they do in this day and age with streaming. Yeah. With streaming, I mean, sales are, you can't make a cent from making music and there's a lot that goes into it financially. So the concerts and streaming really is what, you know, you have to depend on, but streaming, that's a whole other conversation. So yes, we put out um, <laughs> remixes. About I think we did six from Abandoned Heart, and each EP has between three and six different versions of the song. So those are available as well online. And Natalie Weiss, Jenna Ushkowitz, Brian Justin Crum, Eric Lawan Summers, myself, and Matt Doyle did a remix of Single City. So yeah, and then we shot, shot some music videos yep, for all those. They were songs. great. Thank you. They Chris were Vermeek fantastic. Directed all those then you have this great collaboration here. We're going to play this song at the end of the interview, but you uh, created a song called Be the Song. Uh, it helps support yes. ending gun violence, which is so important to me. Talk about how that came about. Um, Yael Silver at Broadway Records reached out to me and said, we're putting together an album 
um, a compilation album with Broadway Records um, for gun control, for gun awareness. And I'm sorry, gun reform. It's not the gun control, gun reform. And I said, great, sign me up. What do you, what do you want me to do? And she's like, can you just, can you write a song? Um, completely up to you, whoever you want to sing it, whatever you want to do. And at the time I was talking with my manager about, she was really, she's really been pushing me to sing more of my own stuff. And so I said, okay. And so I said, well, maybe this is the perfect opportunity that I, I just sing this and, you know, and I did, I wrote it and um, yeah, I wrote that song and we put it out. We actually recorded it so early. We put it, recorded it like March of 2018 and it didn't come out until September but it's one of those magic things where, yeah, it's one of those magic things where, yeah, Elle reached out to me, like, end of February. I wrote it in, like, three days. I called Jeff Tice, who is an amazing collaborator and friend of mine. He, right now, he's the conductor of Band's Visit on Broadway. And he does, he's done a lot of my arrangements over the years. And I said, would you be interested in writing um, background vocals to this song? I know what I want. I, I have, I'll, I'll like do something. I'll mock something up, but I want you to put your spin on it. I love, co- I love collaborating that way. I, I hate doing everything myself. I love working with way more talented people and bringing something to life that way. So he said, yes, sure. That's I wrote cool. the song. I sent it to him. Yeah. He did the arrangement. And then I sent it to my mentor, Kim Scharenberg. And I said, will you orchestrate this? And he was like, yes. And I mean, it, within like four days, the entire thing was done. We were in a studio with friends. I got like eight or nine friends. I said, will you come and sing this with me? And we, Jeff worked it out and we played around and we saw how it worked. He made changes. I made changes. And then a week later we were in the studio, we recorded it. And then we shot a music video in uh, June with a different group of people than are on the album. So if you watch that music video at the end, it'll say music video choir and then studio choir <laughs> because no one was available like no one no one could film the video so I ended up calling people like the day before I called all these people sent them the song they all learned it it was amazing they were just champs and everyone every single person involved donated their time because all of the money is going to every town for gun control gun reform so important. yeah and then you finish it out is. the year on a bang you work with Laura again with and the Boston Pops for uh, some Christmas music. Talk about that experience. That'd be kind oh, of cool. Oh, yeah, that, that was unreal. She reached out, and she was like, hey, I'm doing a concert with the Boston Pops. I really want to sing your Christmas song. Can I do it? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> of course, yes. <laughs> and so she reached out to them. And, you know, the song was written. We recorded that, I think, two years ago, three years ago now. Um, and then we put out a music video last year. It's called Christmas Will You Stay? And you know, I'm not sure how much people know or care about this, but once a song is written like that and you put it out into the world, the orchestration, which is what the instruments play, is written for a very specific number of people. And so I think we had 18 on that album version. The Boston Pops is 81 musicians. So everything has to be completely rewritten, right? So the Boston Pops were amazing, and they they really were so accommodating and they were so passionate about it. And they asked if they can keep the song in their repertoire and their catalog for years to come. And I said, of course you can. And I was able to travel down there and see it. And she was, Laura is stunning. She sounded so beautiful. She looked gorgeous. She sounds, she sounds like the record. I mean, she's so perfect. She's there's not an iota of auto of, of any tuning on her. She's just perfect. And she performed it. Mm. And then playbills saw that she was doing it and asked for an exclusive. So the Boston Pops, unbeknownst to both of us, had an eight camera shoot of that song. And they ended up, I mean, and this is like so unheard of that I was able to obtain a professional HD audio and video of my song by the Boston Pops, official video by them, that Playbill was, they gave to me and I gave to Playbill and then Playbill was able to um, premiere. And that's still out there. So people can check that out if they care to. <laughs> That's amazing. It's going to be like Mariah Carey, number one every year, Michael. I'm telling you this. It, I mean, it was an it, amazing video. It, it really was cool. Thank you. She's and she's she's just stunning. And that orchestra, Keith Lockhart and that orchestra, amazing. Well, so, yeah, that was my year. I want Thank to talk about that. this trip. Oh, you're welcome. I love to recap a year that's amazing for somebody. You've had an amazing year. You have an amazing every year, but it was it was a lot of fun stuff that I like to follow along with this past year. So I'm glad we got to kind of go over that. 
But I want to transition into the start of this year. You're going to be heading to London. You are heading to London as we speak right now on the plane. Um, let's go ahead and give everyone a hint. You did tease that we have uh, a fantastic one of the songs here. And talk about, uh, so Leah Pfeiffer did this for you. This was a, uh, a, a sneak preview at 54 Below, right? Um, and tell yes, tell us where the song songs comes in. Life. It's called Back. Where, where does this come through into the musical? Um, there is a very short two-minute prologue where we learn a little bit about the world, and then the set rotates, and we hear this song as Deborah is uh, telling. Basically, we're learning about Deborah's life. I will say in the show, in between all of the verses, there's scene work. So, like, she, her husband comes home, and it's very clear in the show at the beginning of the song, she's talking about her dad, and then some scene work happens, and then she's talking about her her husband, and then some more scene work happens, and she's talking about the two of them and going back and forth. So it, it may not make complete sense out of context just in concert or audio, but in the show, hopefully, it, it, we'll, see on, we'll see this week, but hopefully it's very clear. <laughs> Sounds amazing. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break. This is Celia Pfeiffer singing Back to Life Before from the hit musical, we're hoping hit musical as it premieres in London, Mob, mob, ugh, mob Wife, a Mafia Comedy. Ike's warning. Sorry, Michael. We'll be back in just a couple okay. seconds right here on Blog Talk Radio. Back that was back to life before. Uh, Soleil Pfeiffer singing this from Mob Wife that's going to be premiering in London. Congratulations, Michael! Um, I'm so Thank excited you. for you. How did this come about? How did uh, working with Cockpit and everything come about? Um, well, they actually reached out to me in the fall of I want to say 2017, 
And this was supposed to be happening the fall of 2018. Um, but, you know, delays and contracts and blah, 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 blah. It was pushed back um, last summer to, no, last spring till to January. So they just reached out to me on my Facebook uh, band page and they just said, you know, we love your stuff and we'd love to produce um, your show. And I said, well, it's not ready yet. I mean, I, I've been working on this show for a while. Um, and it kind of has been on the back burner a little bit because I've been focusing so intensely on In the Light. And right. I said, you know, but what we would love a developmental production because we've done we've done one the way uh, the way the shows work here in the city usually is that you do a reading first. Um, uh, it's called a 29 hour reading, and you do this industry reading and you learn a lot from the show. And we had one of those a couple of years ago, and it went very well. But you know, the show was still in early stages. And we ended up rewriting this past about seven months. Corey and I would meet every day and rewrite and work and tweak. And I think the show is in a very good place. I'm so happy with where the script and score is right now. Um, And, yeah, I'm so excited to see it. I'm very anxious to see how the British audience responds to this humor because it's a very Italian um, East Coast <laughs> show. Um, right, I right. like to describe it as The Sopranos meets Noises Off with a Billy Joel. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah. That that should tell you exactly. And you worked with Corey before. How is it uh, you guys like to collaborate, and how is this putting this together with him? This is actually the first time. Uh, Mobwise is the first thing we ever did together, and we started it way back in. Oh, we okay. first started talking about it in 2012. Um, but then I was commissioned to write a show um, a musical called Lucifer a few years ago and they didn't have any book writer and they didn't plan on it and I was like I cannot write a show without a script and so after much 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 back and forth with that team I um, convinced them to hire Corey to write the book to that so um, they did and this is but Mob Wife was always came first and honestly Lucifer was only we only did one act of that show and that's it's, it's, it, it's, it is what it is with that. But um, Mob Wife is our, is our baby. And it was actually something that I first started in high school. Like when I first got the bug, I had the seed of this idea of Mob Wife. And it was actually in high school called The Life of a Mob Wife. And I wrote it. It was produced by my high school. We made a recording that I just listened to for the first time like three days ago in preparation for London. I was like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. I can't believe this is out there. Yeah, it's so (laughs) bad. I mean, the people are great, but, like, the material is just absolutely dreadful. And But the idea was always funny. And when I I was approached, the reason how Mob Life even came about and came back to life before is – I was, re- I, was, I was approached by Ed Sales, who used to be the artistic director at Mary Garand Playhouse, which is now the Finger Lakes Musical Theater Festival in Auburn. And okay. he had seen an early reading of In the Light when it was back when it was called Faustus and had a different book writer. And he saw that and he said, I love this. I think it's uh, I, 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 just something smaller for me. I would love to do something at Mary Garand. And so... I looked back and I thought, you know, I still think this idea is funny. And I reached out to Corey. I was working with his wife at the time. I was an actor. And uh, Corey, just, he just got it. He understood the vision. He gave me a whole pitch of what he thought the show should be. Then I brought on Nick Eilerman, who was a director at the time. And now he's married and a general manager for a big, huge company. Long story short, we developed that show for about two or three years and got it to a really good place, and then it sat on a shelf while I focused on In the Light. And then the cockpit came. Actually, it's Starbucks Starbuck Theater Company is the actual name of the company. They're producing the okay. show, and cockpit, cockpit's housing it. So Starbucks reached out, and they asked about it. And so I was like, Corey, we gotta, we got to give this show some energy. And he was like, you know what? I've been thinking that too. He's like, we're just letting it sit on a shelf. We've got to work on it. And then it just happened. It, it worked out. And the cast out there in London – and the creative team, they are so passionate about this show that I'm, I'm getting so excited to see it and see what they're bringing to it. And, you know, it's difficult because we Skype well, talk every about day. talk that for a second them. because you guys were actually yeah. part of the casting process and rehearsals, but you're in New York the entire time. Talk about how that happened. Right. That sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, so the producer, Sarah, um, 
at Starbucks has filmed everything and kept us in the loop with everything. So we're part of every conversation every day. It truly is a developmental production in that, you know, at the time, I had many ideas that I wanted to incorporate. Corey had many ideas, but we didn't know what we had until we saw it. Because the page is one thing. The page and the stage are two very different things. And especially with this show that is very visual and very fast-paced and um, uh, there's a lot of physical humor in it, we don't know what we have until we see it. And we don't even know if it works until we see it, to be honest with you. And the cast did a table reading in, at Thanksgiving, like that weekend. And we watched it, and Corey's much more optimistic than I am. I was like, oh, my God, is this show terrible? I was like, is this bad? And he's like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, I, I feel like it's a play with, like, some songs. So we worked pretty much, I don't know, six, seven hours a day up until the end of December. I was home for the holidays. My mother was like, are you still working on Mob Wife? And I was like, yeah. And we just rewrote and fixed and added, and now it feels like a big, freaking big musical. The story was always there. Everything was there, but there was so much of the action happening in scene work that I was like, and this is exactly what the point of the developmental production is, is being able to see what you have and rewrite and tweak. And I feel like I'm so proud of the place the show is in now, so we'll, I mean, we'll see if it works. But I feel like it does. <laughs> so that that's been that's the process. What's the hopes for it on bringing it back uh, with you? The way the way it works. I mean, everything we do and we change and fix like is our is our material. So everything we're doing is at the end of the day like we own everything, Corey and I. So it's it's our show. We absolutely believe that it is a Broadway show. Um, at first, when we first started writing it, we thought, oh, this could be like a, a cute off Broadway. Thing. There's not really nothing like it. There, there is nothing like it with it in its tone and style. Because um, people always ask when you're trying to describe it, well, what is it like? What show is it like? And we're like, it's not like any show, really. It's The Sopranos meets Noises Off as a musical. That doesn't exist, you know? <laughs> um, so, but as as we keep developing it and as we're, they're, they're thankfully filming the show for it. Like, every day in rehearsals, they're filming rehearsals and showing us. And the more we see it, we're like, this is a Broadway show. Absolutely. It's a small Broadway show, but it's, it's, it's a Broadway show. Corey and I think. That's we'll fantastic. See. And then so talk the about, you're we'll actually see. doing, like we said, your own concert with your own music. What are you, what are you going to be singing? What are you, what are you bringing to the concert? Yes. So the show opens on Thursday and I think it's just under two hours. We'll find out. I think they start run throughs on Monday because they're still, you know, staging and figuring stuff out. Um, but it should be just under two hours. And then right after that, I'm doing a 20-minute mini set of my music. So they had the, the Starbuck Theater Company asked me to do something intimate. And, uh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what I should sing because I have, I have several ideas. I don't want to give it away because I have a couple surprises that I kind of want to do. But I don't know what's possible. I'm still waiting for them to give me technical information about things and I don't know what's possible until I hear back from them. So we'll see. Um, it might be, I have a plethora of lists. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have a, I have a list. We'll see. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited for your London debut as a singer and as a fantastic new show that you're bringing to life. Congratulations, my friend. That's just amazing. You're starting off the year right. Thank what you. else I'm do you have planned? Anything, any, anything secret or that you can't talk about? Or anything public you can talk about coming out in 2019? Over here in the um, stateside? Well, I have two other big props. Well, I have a, a new musical that I've been working on with Nathan Wright, who is my collaborator for In the Light. And we've been working on that. We started it last year. And then it kind of took a back burner. These shows take so long, so who knows? That, that'll probably be out in 10 years. Um, <clears throat> but <laughs> it's, it's inspired by a true story, and I saw a video of a woman who bro- broke my heart. Her story broke my heart, and I sent it to him, and I was like, we have to make this show. And it took three months, but we ended up getting in touch with her, and she has been absolutely so stunning and so helpful, and she really believes in us, and she believes in the story we're telling obviously it's her story, but she believes in how we're telling her story. Um, so to have her on our side is incredible. And she's, she has a couple movie offers to make this story um, 
a film and she's gotten endless book offers and she travels around the, she's just unreal. And her story is so heartbreaking and beautiful. And I was like, this has to be a musical. So I'm working on that. Um, and then I have enough material for a third album and, um, the album is branded and ready to go. And now it's just trying to figure out how to pay for it. So, which is always <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, I have about 17 songs for that album. I'd say nine of them are good so far, but I'll keep on writing them and, and figuring that out. But that is a very different um, aesthetic and style and tone than I've ever done before. And so that album, my goal was for that to be out in September of this year, but TikTok, where's the money? And everything is, you know, everything takes longer than you. I wanted it to be out last year, actually, but we need the funding. So we'll see if that ever comes out. But yeah. I'm working on a lot of stuff. Oh, we in due look time. forward to it all. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. Um, Thank any, you for uh, your support. Concerts coming up. Any Michael and Michael and friends coming up? I mean, you see those great um, weekly things that that had to go by the back burner. Didn't you play out in Astoria quite a bit? I did. It was every every Wednesday for 18 months, but <clears throat> different management took over and money. Oh, it comes down to money. Um, and it was actually taking oh, away. Oh. I loved doing it, but but it it did take a lot of time. That was a lot of work that show, and it it yeah. took away from my writing and my actual performing um, of my material because that wasn't always my material. That was you know, me posting something, and I loved that. But um, besides London, my concert in London, I have no plans this year yet to do concerts. Um, I have like three offers to do them, so we'll see. I'm doing. Funny enough, I'm actually going to a lot of colleges and doing master classes, which is interesting. I've been randomly in this past uh, month or so, people have been reaching out to come and talk to their students about singing and musical theater performance and what it takes to to make it in this business. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I've made it in this business yet, but sure, if you want me to talk about it, I will, <laughs> you know. Well, that's one of the last things I wanted to touch on before we go here, too. I mean, um, people may not know, but you've been doing private voice lessons with some of the biggest people in Broadway, but you're going to actually open that up and do it uh, with technology these days. You can do Skype all over the world. Talk about that. Are you excited about that at all? Yeah, I, I, I guess. And I started that um, last, two weeks ago. Um, I have been, well, I went to college for musical theater performance and while there, I studied under Carol McCamus, who is a phenomenal voice teacher. And she's one of the first people to introduce the Feldenkrais method. I'm not going to get all technical on you, but she, <laughs> I told her when I was at Ithaca that I wanted to, um, that I wanted to teach. I was like, I love teaching. I love learning about the voice. And so she would talk to me about anatomy. The thing is, Ithaca College wouldn't allow me to minor in anything because the BFA in musical theater was so intense. So I would meet with her privately and keep a journal of my time with the acting majors who I taught voice lessons to, and so I studied under her. Um, <clears throat> I always make it clear, I don't have um, a vocal, um, I don't have a degree in teaching. My degree is in performance, but my experience that I bring to it and my training under Carol is what you know, I think qualifies me for what I'm doing. And I bring, I bring all three aspects. I bring, sometimes I'm a coach, sometimes I'm a technician. It depends on what the student needs. And now with the, I was getting so many emails about people wanting to do something via Skype. And it's difficult because Skype is not, you're not tangent, it's not there, you're not there in person. And the voice is such a delicate thing that you have to really be sensitive to and be there in person for. But I am able to do, um, Yesterday, there was a girl who is, who is in uh, Ohio, and she's wonderful. She's so talented, and she's like, it hurts every time I belt. I was like, okay, well, show me what you're doing, and she showed me, and I was like, oh, well, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and she's like, oh, and just that, seeing, she's like, it doesn't hurt anymore. I'm like, well, there you go. You know what I mean? And if, that's great. Um, if I could help one person with that and do that, then that's, that's all I care about. That's helpful for me. That makes me feel good, and I'm helping her, and she sent me a beautiful email this morning about how great she feels, and I'm like, great, then I've done my job. So that's, that's what I'm offering. When my time allows, because ben. these projects are my priority, my focus. 
There you go. I I can definitely understand that. Well, give everyone your website address and where they can get a hold of you in case they want to look into this in the future and so they can stalk you or follow you on social media like I do, I guess. <laughs> um, great. So my website is www. People say that anymore? Um, michaelmott.net. <laughs> and Instagram is like the thing now. So Michael underscore M-O-T-T. So, yeah, that's me. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Have a fantastic London premiere. I'm so excited to be able to talk to you again. We'll have to have you back on the show in the middle of the year here to see how things are going and what's progressing from there. Thanks for being on the Leftist Right Show, Michael Mott. Thank you so much for having me and for doing this in the first place. Much appreciated. I appreciate it. Time, you want to come back, you are more than welcome. Stay on the line for me. Guys, we're going to play out with that song we talked about that – goes um, against gun violence and uh, uh, gun reform, which is something that's so important these days. This is called Be the Song, a song that Michael wrote and sings with. So excited to have him on the show. We'll talk to you later. I'll be back Thank on you the so other much. Side. Enjoy. Thank you on Blog Talk Radio. In the face of tragedy, our cries seem all But I hear a melody, so join in my refrain, and we, we will sing, fill the chords and hum along, rearrange, make a change, be the
be the song. 